as barheads. Dearly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of just being here, just having the privilege and the opportunity to be grateful for everything that you've given us by means of grace as an expression of your love. Father, it's been an incredible year. We're just grateful for the opportunity to look back on it, reflect on it, use the Word of God as our lens for it, and come out on top. Come out victorious, Father, because you've made it so, for the truth sets us free. Father, we pray for those in the congregation that are ill, uh, that can't be with us this evening, and we pray for those that are still lost, that they be humbled and receive saving faith before it's too late. We are most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work on the cross to cancel out that debt and to make an evening of rejoicing like this one even possible for us. We do just ask for your blessings on this evening's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Again, a special message this evening. This is the day. And uh, again, it's, it's appropriate because today is the last day of arguably one of the most draining years, right? In human history, no, I shouldn't say human history, in recent history. For most of us in recent history, this 2020 is just like, we're just like, get this thing over. Let's get this thing behind us. As I've been teaching all along, though, just a test. For folks like us, it's just a test. And you can glorify God in a unique way during such testing. And so, uh, you know, good riddance, but also thanks be to God for allowing us to get through it in one piece and even come out on top stronger, right? Our metal has been sort of, mm, I don't know, solidified. Um, tonight, I do have the distinction of presenting the labor of my good friend, uh, Evangelist Scott Grande, who actually wrote the majority of the content of this message. He just uh, said, I can't do it because I've been exposed um, to COVID. Uh, I can't do it, but feel free to use it. And me being a lazy person, I said, whatever, man. Honest, the truth, though, it took me longer. It took me longer <laughs> taking this message than it would have if, if, if I just had written it myself, um, but the Spirit said, use what he wrote, and so I stuck to it and said, whatever it takes, you know, um, it's actually, you know, we talked about it, and since it's actually the Holy Spirit's message, all of them are, we decided that I'd present it uh, to you instead. Um, as a side note, I cannot guarantee that Scott's amazing radio voice is going to come from this pulpit. You'll just have to imagine it. <laughs> Anyways, this special message, this is the day we will focus on today. And that's the whole idea. It's the last day of 2020. But frankly, it's no different. It's a time to focus on today with the emphasis on right now. So for context's sake, uh, you know, lately we've had a lot uh, to be we've been right, reminded many ways over of so many things to be grateful for. 
And so that's the context of this message, this special message. Um, and not just, you know, giving thanks, but simply being thankful. And there's that distinction. Not just line items to be thankful for, but actually being putting on gratitude, putting on Jesus Christ, being grateful, and duo, that whole idea. That's what the Spirit's been sort of cooking up in our souls. Being, not just line items that you can point to, but actually being grateful, being thankful. To help us with this, uh, we'll begin with a familiar passage that's actually a Christian song lyric most of us have sang. Up here on the board, Psalm 118, 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Some of you are probably humming it, right? This is the day. Psalm 118, 24. Perfect place to start a message like this. Matter of fact, if Scott were here, I'm sure he'd say that the message title was a ripoff from this particular verse. Um, but notice it tells us this is the day the Lord has made. Not, you know, that day over there or another day, you know, such as tomorrow, but this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. What's the point? Well, we figure that out with the second half of the verse, which says, rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice and be glad in it. To turn it around, we might ask, how can you be glad about something if you're not grateful for it? How can you be glad if you're not grateful for it? Because these emotions, as you know, as you'll attest, are intrinsically bound together. Right? Uh, glad and gratitude, um, they're bound together. Uh, the point the Spirit's making out of the gate this evening is to enjoy and be grateful for the now. This is the day that, you know, just being alive right now is a gift we ought to be grateful for. Amen? Just being alive is a gift we ought to be grateful for. In fact, being alive and being grateful exist in the same sphere. We have been given eternal life, and we're grateful for it. And so there's that sphere um, where they coexist. And every day we wake up, we should be pleased and therefore grateful because we never know how long we've got left to live here on earth. You don't know. Your days are numbered. You don't know what the number is, but God does. So we are just to be grateful. So in that sense... Every day we wake up, it's a gift. And that's how we should think about it. Every day that you wake up is a gift. So reflect on that for a moment. That's a perspective that takes time to actually develop in a person. Waking up every day and saying, you know, I'm just glad to be alive. I consider this day a gift. Most people, it seems, wake up with the details of life springing up as their first thought. You know, what's on my calendar today? What do I have to accomplish? 
You know, who's that customer that was calling me yesterday? You know, why is my XYZ relative or friend, uh, you know, why are they calling me up? Why are they bleeding all, you know, whatever, the details of life. Can I make my bills? Whatever. Um, most people wake up with that on their mind. But that's an inferior vector, and excuse the technical terminology, but that's an inferior vector to set out on. In other words, if you get out of bed, you don't want to point towards the details of life. You don't want to start your, your very first step. Your very first thought is the details of life versus your very first thought is giving thankfulness or gratitude to the Lord for yet another day. Two different vectors, right? One gets you going to, oh, right? You're like, oh, I need a coffee. <laughs> Immediately, you're like, oh. This one, peace. Totally different vectors. So this one's inferior. To quote, uh, to quote Scott's notes here, this is what was in his notes. He said, quote, I remember years ago, even after being into the word of God, where someone sincerely said to me, today is a gift. And even though I was a believer, and I knew that statement was factually true, I looked at her like a dog hearing a whistle, you know, with the tilted head. I didn't really understand it in my soul. It wasn't totally true to me, in my own belief system, or in my heart, we might say. End quote. Today is nothing less than something to be grateful for. And that's how we started. This is the day the Lord has made. So today's nothing less than something to be grateful for. Think about what you're doing right now. Honestly. Think about what you're doing. My sister Kathy, according to her doctor, should be in the hospital right now. But she fought him tooth and nail so she could be here. And she said, just to see me. She said, I'm so glad Scott's not here. I'm so glad it's you. <laughs> Scott, you're listening. <laughs> she didn't say any of that. Anyways, seriously, but just think about what you're doing right now, the blessing of being here. You're listening to this message, which, oddly enough, was drafted by one teacher and then edited and presented by another, authored, by a third, the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how things come together, and here you are, the benefactor of that thing. Right? Or the beneficiary, I should say. Again, authored by the Holy Spirit. In other words, you are a witness to the phenomenon we call the power of the Spirit. This is how he works. He works all things together for good, right? He works Scott, and then he took him out for some reason, because he wanted this vessel to stand here tonight on the last day of 2020. I don't know why. There's nothing special about me, but here I am, and there you are. And somehow he got you in your seat this evening, which is a special privilege because there are some people that would love to be here and actually can't be. And so it's all one big blessing. We call that the power of the Spirit. So we ought to be grateful for today. You know, just 
grateful for starters, but just being saved. Amen? Just, I mean, come on, just being saved. We ought to be grateful for the opportunity to remind one another of the gift that is this moment in time. New Year's Eve. You know, I bet you, I'm just, a, I'm not a betting man, but I'm going to say at 742, there's probably a lot of drunk people already. It's New Year's Eve. Here you are listening to a message authored by God the Holy Spirit himself. How about this moment in time? It's beautiful. Up here on the board, Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another every day, encourage one another, in other words, as long as it is called today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So as long as it's today, let us rejoice, let us encourage one another, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Oof. So we need to remind each other that, you know, not a single blessing we enjoy day in and day out is even deserved. Is even, this isn't deserved. Where does it say that you had to have a building, a beautiful building, with heat and a prepared pastor necessarily? Where does it say that? But here you are. Here you are. If you're listening to this message and it makes sense, then consider yourself blessed because God has decided to save you. There are a lot of people in this world that this message wouldn't make any sense because it's spiritually appraised. And an unregenerate person cannot understand it because it's supernatural. So consider yourself blessed if you even understand what I'm talking about. You know, the fact that he saved you, that one fact alone ought to be enough fuel for a lifetime of gratitude. Again, here's where we began this evening. Psalm 118.24 This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. So by now you probably see what the Spirit's focusing our attention on here. For starters, up here on the board, a little perspective. Perspective is truly everything. Just having the right lens. That's why I prayed that way. Just having the right lens on life itself. Last day of 2020, looking back, 2020 hindsight, you know, what did 2020 look like? With the right perspective, you see it all as truth. And you grow, and you're set free, and you're delivered, while others are increasingly stressed out. Perspective is everything. Each and every day we wake up, we have a chance to be grateful, to actually be grateful. The beautiful thing about perspective, as I've taught many times, is that it can change in an instant, right? That quick. That's the beautiful thing about uh, perspective. It changes in an instant, or it can, and the effects are often truly profound. That's the beauty of it. Being reminded, for example, of all we have to be grateful for is one special way to receive this change in perspective. 
Hence this gift, this message. I mean, he's obviously given us this day that he's made to do so, to be grateful, right? When we become grateful, God is pleased because it brings glory to him. So think about this. Instead of perseverating on the details of life, we just need to step back and say, thank you, Lord, for snatching me out of the fire, for making me your own. Thank you. Every day we wake up, we have the privilege and honor of embracing that very perspective. And that in of itself, that gratitude, brings glory to God. And you are blessed. You get to be grateful. And that in of itself is a blessing. Speaking of our Thanksgiving bringing glory to God, here's a passage that helps us see this perspective. Go to 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians 4.13 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 Again, Thanksgiving, being grateful, brings glory to God. We see it in this passage. 2 Corinthians 4.13 reads, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. And there you have it. Up here on the board, increased thanksgiving to the glory of God. God pours grace into our laps so that we realize how blessed we are. We must seize each moment for what it is, a grace gift. This is the essence of being grateful. It's an always-on thing. It's a status quo, a state of being, a mindset. You know, versus tallying and weighing the details. It's not a checklist. It's a sense of being. And that glorifies God in time. And that's what Paul is writing about to the Corinthians. Increasing thanksgiving by the grace of God to the glory of God. So that we can be grateful. You might argue, well, with my life, it's, you know, it's tough sometimes. That might be what some people say. It's tough, you know. And I have one word for you, and it's not a new one. Transcend. Transcend it. Learn to transcend your circumstances. As Scott wrote in his notes, transcend the details of life and just be grateful to him and for him. Just be grateful to him and for him. Just transcend your circumstances. It's actually really simple. It, it may not be easy because of our annoying, wicked flesh, but it is simple. Again, by now you can probably 
you know, see what the Spirit's intention is this evening, which all began with Psalm 118.24, that reads, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We're going to turn our attention now to one of Paul's, what we call, prison epistles, which is interesting because whenever I write that, it reminds me of the fact that a good portion of the New Testament especially in terms of encouragement, came from a man writing to the church from prison. The one that, <laughs> you know, technically could have used some encouragement himself, who at the end, if you know the Bible, was pretty much left alone, was actually the, the vessel that God used to encourage others. So he's in this place of, you know, awfulness, prison, and yet he's writing to encourage others. And that's what, what we're about to read is he wrote it from prison. These books give us a spiritual boost and a clear perspective to cling to. For example, again, let's read from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Go to Colossians 1, verse 3. Colossians 1, verse 3. So keep that in mind. Paul wrote this from prison. Okay? He's been, uh, you know, beaten down a bit, and yet somehow, some way, he dug deep and found uh, motivation to encourage others. Colossians 1.3, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Paul opened up this magnificent letter to the church of, or at Colossae with a solid dose of encouragement. I mean, isn't that the, that's right there at the start of the book. So he opened up with a solid dose of encouragement. In particular, encouragement for the presence of faith and love in others. Often it's just enough to step back and say thank you for others, especially those shining examples of godly faith and love in our lives. In Scott's notes, he asks this question, quote, when's the last time you sat back and were simply grateful for the believers in your life? Your pastor your church. Just grateful to be a part of this light in North Dighton in the midst of a dark, misery-filled world. When's the last time? He makes a good point. So, you know, food for thought. Let's press on. Jump forward just a bit to verse 11. Colossians 1, verse 11 reads, May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Right? That's he saves us. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. 
up here on the board. He has delivered us. Does this ever get old? How could it? How could it? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. How could that ever get old? Furthermore, as I've taught you in the past, not only did he save us positionally, but we are saved daily, experientially. Go to Colossians 2, verse 6. Just forward a little bit. Colossians 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. This is his encouragement. Then walk in him. Walk by means of the Spirit, he says elsewhere. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Just being rooted and built up in him and then abounding in thanksgiving as a result. Up here on the board, rooted and built up in him. Christ Jesus is the foundation of all that we are. All that we are grateful for. Allah, you know, 1 Corinthians 3.11, which reads, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the very rock. He's our foundation. We are rooted and built up in him. And that is the great source of thanksgiving. So we have to remember who we are in him. And thanksgiving overflows. So it's from this wellspring of confidence and conviction and gratitude that our cup overflows into the laps of others. And as I've been teaching in the mainstream uh, course of study, that's God's economy, right? The cup overflows into the cup of the next, into the next, and the next. And that's how God's grace makes his economy go round and round. You sausage fingering back there? Yeah. <laughs> Think about this for a second. Part of the deceitfulness of sin is to encourage you in a negative sense. That's right. Sin can encourage you in the wrong direction. Like that little scene I presented at the start where you get out of bed and already the fiery darts are coming. You know what I'm talking about. Already. And they want to set that vector in the wrong direction. He wants to encourage you to start being preoccupied with things you shouldn't be preoccupied with. The Bible says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. In other words, take this vector, be grateful for him, grateful to be alive another day. Let him handle those problems. But you see, sin and its deceitfulness, it's so disgusting Sin, ugh. it's so deceitful, it encourages you to get on the wrong vector. As soon as you put your toe on the, on the floor out of bed in the morning. So part of the deceitfulness of sin is to encourage you to forget what God has done for you, where you came from, with the intended result of sowing ingratitude in your heart, which is treacherous. Ingratitude. Speaking of the deceitfulness of sin, I want to read an email I received from a member of our congregation that just finished re-listening to the entire series on the subject. Do you remember the deceitfulness of sin? 74 parts. 
They just finished listening to the entire thing. Here's the email. Hi, Pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for your faithful labor in this ministry all these years. As you know, I recently finished listening to the Deceitfulness of Sin series and have just started the What is Good and Who Gets to Define It series. It is such a blessing to be able to hear the word taught by my pastor every day, rain or shine, regardless if there is live class or not. To be reminded of what the Spirit has been teaching our congregation over the years is extremely edifying, and the messages are filled to the brim with God's wisdom, love, and power. My prayer is that the other members of our church family are taking advantage of the gift that is our website. Between pulpit lessons, blogs, and publications, there is enough to, quote, snack on every single day to keep our souls fed and our bodies out of trouble. You are loved and appreciated beyond measure in him, North Christian Church member. Again, part of the deceitfulness of sin is to encourage you in a negative sense to forget what God has done for you, you know, where you came from, with the intended result of sowing ingratitude in your heart. In other words, your sin nature wants to spoil the blessings you have in Christ Jesus. And as the Bible says over and over, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. That is what sin specializes in. Deception. It's not even the sin. It's how it gets you to sin. It's how it gets you there. Thinking of James, right? Lust gives birth to sin. When you give, it, when you give in to that temptation, sin is born and it sows death. It sows death. Do not be deceived. So, let's take today to encourage one another. So, don't, so we don't give in to such temptations. Okay, jump forward again, where Paul gives us strategies and tactics even to help us do this very thing. Go to Colossians 3.12. Colossians 3, verse 12. So now we have Paul. He says, all right, I'll give you some, you know, I'll give you some strategies, some tactics to do this thing, to remain in that sphere of gratitude, to, to remain being grateful, being thankful. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint <clears throat> against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also, or you must also, you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love. Are you surprised to see it as the pinnacle of our walk? Again, Verse 14, and above all these, put on love, 
which binds everything together in perfect harmony. In the original Greek, that word translated harmony means unity, maturity, consummated, brings it all together, right? Unity, unifies, matures, brings it all together, consummates it even. And just look at the fruit that he starts listing here. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. There's your unity. And what? Be thankful. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness. And the interesting thing here uh, that Scott actually looked up in the original language, it's from the, the Greek root charis, which is grace. With grace in your hearts to God, with thankfulness, grace, filling, in other words, your hearts to God. Verse 17, in whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we see this whole attitude of gratitude. It becomes us. That's what Paul's describing. It becomes us. We, we overflow with all this fruit, right? We just overflow with the right attitude, abiding in the right sphere. Our cup overflows by the grace of God. And we're able to encourage one. What do you think I'm doing right now? I'm encouraging you. I'm using my spiritual gift to encourage you. My cup is overflowing into your laps. Well, when your cup fills up, you might go somewhere else tonight for New Year's Eve. Go fill up someone else's cup with this grace. Now's your opportunity. Have that attitude of gratitude. I'm just, you know what? I'm just grateful to be alive. You know, people are probably going to focus on, you know, 2020. Oh, my God, I'll drink to that. Right? <laughs> Everybody's complaining about 2020. It's all downer, you know, Debbie down. Oh, it's so bad. It's a blah, 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 blah. And our president's terrible and our country's terrible. Ugh, right? It's conspiracy theories out the wazoo. It's like, stop. Stop. I'm just grateful to be alive. I have a sense that Jesus Christ has a purpose left for me. I don't focus on that garbage. That was just a test. I hope I passed it. I'm looking forward, right? Isn't that what Paul said? Looking forward to what lies ahead, forgetting what lies behind. Reaching forward. So here we see this attitude of gratitude that it becomes us. It becomes us. We carry around a spirit of thanksgiving, of grace. You know, that's why that original word, that grace being there, being filled with grace. Verse 15 says, be thankful. Verse 16 alludes to grace. Thanksgiving, filling our hearts. Just have an abundance of grace in our hearts to the tune of thanksgiving. And then verse 17 points to the totality of this attitude that it touches everything we say or do. Be grateful. Be filled with grace. Let's jump forward a little further now, where Paul gives us another friendly tip on our journey to gratitude. Go to Colossians 4, verse 2. Colossians 4, verse 2. 
reads, continue steadfastly in prayer. In prayer. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So if you're struggling right now with gratitude, what does the Bible say? Pray. Spend some time with him. He'll remind you. He'll bring you back to ground zero. He'll bring you back to the foundation, the root system that is Christ. He'll bring you back for your own benefit. Pray. I don't know what to say to you if you don't pray, if you don't talk to him, if you don't have a relationship with him, a daily conversation with him. If you're struggling with gratitude, pray. Ask God for perspective, for faith for an abiding love for his economy and his grace, for that matter. Ask him. Say, I'd love to be that. I'd love to abide there. Ask him, but I pretty much am not. Ask him. Pray. This is why one of the most recurring passages over the past few years of this ministry up here on the board, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18, Rejoice always. It's an awful lot to be thankful for, just saying. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Man, not a whole lot there, huh? Is there? This is the will of, let's read it in reverse. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. That doesn't sound difficult at all, at least not the opposite of simple. Simple enough, right? We have our fleshes, we have the details of life. That's what makes it hard. But that's God's will. It's actually pretty simple. You might say, even so, in the face of Scripture, how can I give thanks in all circumstances? I mean, have you seen 2020? Do you remember it? It's simple. It's because you know God. And apparently he knows you. And you know God's faithfulness. And you know he always has a plan that's best for you personally, even if you end up on an ash heap one day. You were supposed to be there. And it was what was best for you in that moment in time. This is the day that the Lord has made. Amen? So if you're on an ash heap, this is the day that the Lord has made. You with your butt on an ash heap. Think of Job. He repented in dust, dust and ashes, right? He said, you win. <laughs> Remember, God's like, gird your loins, buddy. He's like, oh. Right? At the end of it, he was grateful that God took him aside, disciplined him, but showed him the truth that was able to set him free. That's where he needed to be. And if that's where you're at, that's where you need to be. So stop complaining about 2020. That's where you needed to be. That's the whole point. Knowing God is perfect and you are not, you don't know what's best for you. He does. <clears throat> Knowing that fact alone, you ought to be grateful. Grateful that he's looking out for you always, more than you do for yourself. 
to be honest. So because you are known to him, this intimacy where something as severe maybe as discipline might transpire, because you are known to him, this intimacy with him, it transcends whether the circumstances are good or bad. Up here on the board, perspective. <clears throat> you are able to give him thanks because the master loves you and you know he has a master plan always. What else should we do in light of Holy Scripture, in light of just this evening's message alone? What else should we do but sit back and be thankful? What do we do in light of what we just were taught from God the Holy Spirit? Besides be, great, be grateful, be thankful. Remember where we came from, our roots, a la Colossians 2.7. And that he has ordained that we live another day, this day, by grace. Recall this point from last week's Christmas special up here on the board. The blessing of being filled with gratitude. It's much better to be filled with gratitude than to simply be grateful for this or that. That's the theme that I was alluding to earlier. It's not a laundry list. You don't say, oh, I'm thankful for this and I'm thankful for this. And, you know, that's like a little kid who sits down at night and says that repetitive prayer. Well, Lord, and there's nothing wrong with that when you're young. But come on. Right? That's not being grateful. That's pointing out certain things that you should be grateful for. There's a, there's a difference here. Being grateful is different than just pointing out line items to be grateful for. So this takes us to the very title of tonight's special message. Again, written by one man, taught by another, authored by the only one capable of doing so. Up here on the board. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Be grateful for the God of love. Remember, we love because he first loved us. Be grateful that he's the God of love and mercy who was willing to reach out to us while we were his enemies. Romans 5. Up here on the board, perspective this day. We must learn to simply choose to be grateful. We have to learn to simply choose to be grateful. Just be grateful. Thinking about that, we don't have to slouch around spiritually like those in the world, you know, sulking around, depending on things to turn their way to be happy. You know, there's not to pick on New Year's Eve, but you know what people are doing right now, right? New Year's resolutions, that's going to make things better. It's a new year. Things are going to turn around. It's 2021. 2020 is behind us. It's a new year. So that's going to be the thing. I'm, I'm depending on the newness of a year, of some random point in time. Do you follow? 1159 is really no different than 1201. I hate to break it to you. Right, you know what I'm getting at? It's this arbitrary line in the sand. Everybody's like, oh my God, it's a new year. No, it's just life. You know what I'm getting at? It's, it's, all right, so this, we flip the calendar. Woo! You really going to put your hope in that? 
Some arbitrary line in the sand? You're going to put your hope in that? Some new fad diet? Some new, I don't know. What? What do you expect out of a new year? We don't have to go that route. That's the whole point. We can just be grateful at 1159 and 1201 and then forevermore. Think about it this way. We have the God of the universe on our side. If you're a believer, God, the Bible says, God is for you. <laughs> so far, I have to tell you, in Scott's notes, it says, quote, like for real. <laughs> I was so funny, I was laughing at myself. I'm like, was he really going to say that? God is for you, like for real. I don't know, I can see him saying it. Sorry, you got to be like, I'm going to get a hate mail from him. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, like, you know, like, for real, like, he's for you. It's not just like an boy. I mean, the holy, sovereign creator of the universe has your back. And he doesn't go back on his promises because he's perfectly faithful. So if God is for us, who can be against us? Go to Romans 8.31. Romans 8.31. Romans 8.31. I mean, it's just a simple perspective, right? Isn't that what we started with this evening? Perspective, boom. Just a change of perspective. Well, here's some Holy Scripture to help. Romans 8.31, What shall we say then, or what, sh what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's like that rhetorical question. If the holy sovereign creator of the, of the universe is for me, who the heck can stand up against me? It's like having, you know, dad. You'll never beat my dad. My dad's the strongest, the best, the everything. He's the omnipotent one. You can't beat him. And he's got his hand on my shoulder. And so you, world, can just shove off. Right? You fiery darts can just shove off. The deceitfulness of sin, shove off. If God is for us, who can be against us? The answer is obvious. Do you see how this attitude can cut through any garbage trying to disrupt your God-given peace? I hope so. Knowing that God is for you personally. Let's back up a bit and grab the larger context of verse 31. Go to verse 26, Romans 8:26. Let's just read some of this before we close. <clears throat> Romans 8:26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Remember, pray without ceasing. Don't worry about it. He'll help you. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose... 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Oof! Oof! My friends, if God is for us, and he is for we believers, then who can be against us? If God is for us, then how can we not be grateful? <laughs> how can we not be grateful? Peace with God? Yep. Ours to keep. Peace forever with God, says Holy Scripture. The Bible says we believers have been reconciled to the king. What more is there to worry about or even to seek? If God is for us, we must simply get down on our knees and rejoice and simply be thankful. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. Happy New Year. Be safe. See you Sunday. I love you. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this incredible privilege of being here this evening. Thank you for giving us truth, for reminding us, because it's the truth that sets us free. Father, we just ask for your blessings as we take the things we've learned back to the privacy of our own souls to the safety of our own homes. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you.